Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, Werewolves on Wheels from 1971, directed by Mikhail Levesque, not Triple H's father. Nope, looked it up. So not him, but we're still going to be talking about it at some point. <laughs> and as always, we're joined by the bold and beautiful, the Gulgi Keith. The Cerebral Assassin. Werewolves of Bikers. Um, yeah, hey, what, what is happening, everybody? How are you doing this fine evening here at Talking Terror? Um, I am broadcasting to you from the smoky-ass East Coast that is New Jersey. Um, the, the, the wildfires have hit us pretty fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on in Canada, we hope you're okay. But man, stop sending your smoke at us. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty smoky here in Pennsylvania too. You can fucking smell it. You can see it. My eyes are fucking burning this morning when I was trying to drive to work. I was like, "Fuck you, Nova Scotia. Get that under control. Put them out. Tired of dealing with your shit, Canada." Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's not our problem that you got wildfires. Why are you sending them over here? Looks like they're the common outside. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so red this morning. Uh, I, like, I, Jesus was, I was thinking more like maximum overdrive. But uh, well, yeah, I'll that's, that that's, that's apt. So, yeah. A lot of people are saying the fog. Maximum Overdrive, Night of the Comet, you know, a lot of horror movie references going around. They're saying that Pennsylvania is Silent Hill. So, you know, a lot of shit going around. (laughs) But, of course, uh, while we're not joined by the dean because he has some party to go to tonight for celebrated students, we're joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get funky on them wheels, monkey. Vroom, vroom. Oh! Oh, yes, Scream Queens and Hall Hounds. It is Wednesday night, and the clock on the wall says 9 o'clock. So it must be talking terror time, baby. Your favorite hall podcast where we, your titans of terror, are coming in your ears with the latest hall news and one-of-a-kind movie reviews. But if you can't catch us live on Blog Talk Radio, we got you covered, baby face. Why? Because we love our fans, which is why every single <laughs> yes, episode of Talking face. Terror is <laughs> yes, it's always available to you, and you and you, motherfuckers, for free on Spotify and iTunes. You just remember that love is always a two-way street, so you make sure that you and all of your ghoul fiends follow Talking Terror on Facebook and Instagram. What is my besties from some other testies? How's it going? <laughs> Casty. Vanilla face. Bro, <laughs> oh, yes, Vanilla Face, dude. Like I said the other night, man, me and uh, 
be the little monster watch Borat. And uh, you know what it is? Like, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. about it, right? And, like, we had seen – we saw the machine, you know, that movie, The Machine, like I had said last week. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. I, I, I kind yeah. of felt a little let down by it and everything. And I know that that's like a uh, – you know, it's, it's a full-on film. Um, whereas, you know, yeah. obviously Borat is kind of like a, a mix of, like, jackass-esque, like, segments with a little bit of, like, you know, hey, we're playing jokes on people that don't really know who we are. But, like, I wondered, you know, like, how well would Borat hold up? It's been quite a while since I've seen the original film. Um, I did obviously see the sequel that came out on Amazon during the uh, the pandemic and all of that stuff. And, yes, that, that did give me a couple mm-hmm. of laughs. But, you know, the original movie was something that just, Again, it was like one of those things you kind of like had to be there in its time to like experience what that whole entire thing was like, you know. So I threw this movie on just like randomly as as Sam was sitting here. And like, you know, she wasn't really like paying paying attention at first. Like she walked in just as the movie was starting. Um, You know, you got Borat walking around his village. And like she looked over as he starts talking about how like his sister is like the number two prostitute. And as soon as she heard that, (laughs) like it was like. The antennas went up on her head, and she just started laughing. And you know what? Again, we spent the entire film, like, rolling. Like, there were moments where she almost had tears in her eyes. She was laughing so hard with some of the stuff that goes on in that film. So I am so happy that that movie still holds up. I still found it hysterically funny, because, again, I haven't seen it in ages. And, uh, and yeah, it was very good time. Very good. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. That is such a good movie. Oh, one of the funniest movies I've seen in a while. I love when he goes to the, uh, the, the gang of black guys that are hanging outside of their place, and he's like, like, what kind of music are you into? He's like, oh, you know, I like the music on, you know, but already, like, bong, 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 and they're like, what the fuck is that, man? You got a sag of pants for you to fucking be around here. And he walks into the hotel and his okay. pants are almost down to his ankles. <laughs> uh, they kick him out. <laughs> How can I look like you? <laughs> what, guy's like, what, black? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh just that movie. It's, it's so, just seeing these people's reactions to him, you know, being completely serious doing these interviews. Like, when he goes to the B&B, and he's, like, afraid that they're, like, Jewish killers. <laughs> it's like, how do you get the money? And he's like, oh, the Jewish people mm-hmm. are going to kill me. Yeah. Like, would, he throw the ca- would he throw the cash at the floor at the cockroaches? Because they said that they changed shape. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh that, that, that was kind of the other thing, too. So, like, I, I told Sam... You know, while we were watching it, this was a real documentary. So she was watching it for the entire time, thinking this was all completely real. Which I think after a bit of time, she kind of realized that that's probably not the case. But uh, but it just added to to the whole humor of the entire thing. But my my whole point oh, of that well, yeah, in the first place, though, was you brought up testes. And like when I first got on the on the uh, on the, the headset and everything, you know, and I was going, "Oh, not you, monkey," you know. The 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 reason for that is because you know, as a guy, there's something that occurs to you. You know, obviously, as you get older, you know, you, your balls start to sag. I've always had like you know like a gigantic set of of, of balls. You know, and it didn't help that you know when I was younger, I used to grab my sack and, and stretch it out. And, and, I'm gonna and rip my off. cousin. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna rip my balls off, you know. 
<laughs> so I went to sit down on the couch for us to begin this wonderful, like, discussion that we're, we're, we're currently having, you know? And I just did that fucking age-old, like, it sucks, oh. out of my balls. And, man, oh, no. it fucking That's hurt. the worst. It sent them, like, it felt like they went right up into my belly. Like, somebody straight up kicked me as hard as possible, right in the nuts, man. It is a fucking, like, I don't get people that want, like, you know, like, male parts. Like, you don't want some of this, man, because, trust me, it becomes a fucking nightmare over time. Now, I get it. We don't bleed once a month and all that shit, but it still sucks. <laughs> yeah, having a ball bag sucks, man. <laughs> Because you never know when you're going to sit on the wrong way. Or you just accidentally pinch them when you're putting on your pants or something like that. And you have to sit down for like 15 minutes and fucking breathe. Because your whole life flashes in front of you. Because your ball got caught. Well, well, like George Lopez with his comedy special talking about his uncles with their old ass balls hanging up the bottom of their pants and shit. So that's why old Mexican dudes always got that weird ass pimple because they're trying not to step on their balls. <laughs> it's not that they're cool. <laughs> they just don't want to step on their balls. <laughs> Well, especially in the summertime when you have to do the fucking leg shake because your balls stick to your fucking legs oh, in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. So you got to do that oh, weird kind of fucking shake and just stuck to your legs, dude. <laughs> yeah, and you got to try to act cool, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to stretch a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just going to hang now. Oh, you do the cowboy walk. You know what I mean? You walk like you got the biggest pair imaginable because it's like what you're really trying to do is just get them to stop sticking to your fucking thighs, man. Yeah, summer's the worst. The summer is the worst when you have balls. Girls will never get it. <laughs> the pain well, of having to pull your balls no, away from I, your legs. I can't say that because you know what? They've got tits. Okay, and tits are like the, well, yeah, the female true. equivalent of balls. They're gigantic. They're hanging off there. They get all kinds of booby sweat going. It's uh, it, it's. I can't say that they don't have things like balls, but you know what? You can't sit on your tits, or at least I hope you can't, because if no. you can, I'm sorry. That's horrible. <laughs> I, would never, I would never want to hear about the woman sitting on her tits. Like, oh, my God. No, <laughs> No, Grandma Monkey, he ain't talking about you. No, it's okay. <laughs> there you go again, Google. Right, bring yeah. my family in this shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, over his back. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm not It's my fault. So everybody has this Girls have, you know, the tits, and we have the balls. So it's like nobody's happy in the summertime. Nobody's fucking happy. Everybody's fucking miserable in one way or another, dealing with fucking issues, with sweat, everything that happens. You know, we all have those problems. But, um, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to kick off with, of course, is the breaking news tonight that the Iron Sheik passed away. Mm. Oh, right. nowhere. Iron man. Sheik, gone. Like, what uh, a fucking yeah, loss that was, you know. Yeah. Sudden, but he is 81 years old. You know what I mean? So it's one of those mm-hmm. where I'm, whenever another wrestler dies, uh, it, it's like, it's been like that for a couple of years. Another wrestler will die. And yeah. like, one of the things I almost always say to myself is, oh, well, I'm happy it wasn't the Iron Sheet. You know, because somehow, <laughs> somehow, like, look, you know, like, here's the thing, right? The Iron Sheet, honestly, one of the greatest fucking heels. You know, as far as heel yep. characters go within 
professional wrestling. And I'm not just saying the WWF. I'm saying throughout all of professional wrestling. This guy was given, you know, or took and made, you know, this character that, that he was, did it during one of the most tense situations that you possibly could have had during the 80s and fucking ran away with it and let it be his entire career. You know, like we talked about that with, with, with the whole Kane thing, um, you know, in, in messaging. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what, uh, Iron Sheik was similar. You know, you give me the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, that fucking team in the 80s was ridiculous. You got fucking I, I raised oh, that's on one team. side and, yep. and a Russian yep. on the other, bro. It was like, come on, that's fucking USA nightmare right there. Yeah, so so this this is the guy that gave he gave us Hulk Hogan. Without the Iron Sheik, we don't have Hulk Hogan because he needed nope, that villain all. to become the great fucking American hero that he became. And Sheik is the one that took the belt off Bob Backlund and his fucking title reign that we've always talked about. So it was Sheik that defeated Bob Backlund and then Hulk Hogan defeated him. But yeah, there would be no Hulk without Iron Sheik. Like Iron Sheik just served it up on a platter, giving us, you know, the American guy, you know, Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah, Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik, they were managed by Classy Freddy Blassie. He used to dress up like he was Iranian. He used to put on a headdress and fucking costume and walk down in the ring with his cane, all proud of, of being who he was. And just, yeah. You know, we, we, we've talked about Iron Sheik so many times in the show, especially about his views on Randy Savage. And how he was <laughs> doesn't quite like Randy Savage. <laughs> Savage, you are disgusting, lying Jew. But Miss Elizabeth, I love you, very nice lady. She's beautiful. Rest in peace. But fuck you, Randy Savage. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the dean, like I don't know if you can share the link that the dean shared on uh, on our, our Facebook page. I know it's long. It's five mm-hmm. hours worth of fucking chic now on Howard Stern. But holy. <laughs> Is it worth it, man? Some of the things that he did on the Howard Stern show over the years, so many classic moments, so many like holding your belly, you're going to be laughing because it's fucking, you know, it's him in full character still. It never changes. Yeah. Nope. Because there was another radio show I used to listen to back in the day called Kid Chris Show, and Kid Chris had him on for his birthday show, and he was fully in character. He's like, Yes, very much. Happy birthday to you, Keith Chris. He's like, well, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. I'm like, fuck you. You're nothing. I'll take you again. <laughs> Just this whole rant about Hulk Hogan. And somebody actually put up a Twitter post that he put up a couple of years ago where he's like, hey, be nice to somebody today. Stop being a son of a bitch. <laughs> like, That's Neo Iron Sheik. <laughs> you know, a one-of-a-kind villain that you're never going to have again. You know, a, a classic all around. You know, never broke character. Guy was always in character. Um, and the funny thing was, I was actually watching the A&E WWE biography of Dusty Rhodes, and Hulk Hogan was on there, and he was talking about how he kind of copied Dusty Rhodes uh, in his early days, where he's like, yeah, I'm going to get you, daddy. And he's like, that didn't work. And then I met superstar Billy Graham, and I'm like, yep, that's the guy I want to be. And I'm like, yes, because you and Jesse Ventura fucking copied him. You fucking stole his character in every fucking way. You both fucking stole from the superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> I was like, at least you're kind of admitting it. Because when you see them both in the early days, they were just superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, well, absolutely, man. And I mean, that's, but that's the thing. You know what I mean? Remember, Billy wanted to go face. 
you know, and, and you got to wonder, yeah. had they allowed him to do it, would we have had, you know, a, a Hulk Hogan well before we ended up getting Hulk Hogan, you know, because, you know, obviously Vinny, Vinny Mac was, was a, a much different animal than his father was. You know, his father didn't believe it would work. His father mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. Uh, Vince was, was willing to take a shot at it and was like, you know what, listen, we're, we're going to give you this. But they played it right. You know what, you had that, uh, like, I mean, like, like, you know, Hulk Hogan is kind of like a face who's also a heel, you know, which was interesting because when he did finally go heel, it was like he was still a face, um, you know, especially when you look at the popularity of the NWL. But, oh, you know, like, well, like Vinnie, Vinnie Mac takes that shot, but, you know, they, they also still cleverly hit it by, again, making him the, the American fucking hero. You know, you, you, how much could you really hate Hulk Hogan's attitude and bravado when what it's doing is, is you know, quote-unquote, representing the American way, you know? Because everything that he's doing is just, oh, so pure. But kind of not. He cheated quite often, actually, you know, when, when, when he... A lot. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But, yeah he was, he was I always it. cheating. <laughs> yeah. Ate it up. It was. I mean, I was never a huge Hulk fan. Like you guys know this, I was always more of a Savage fan. Because I just, I didn't like the wholesome thing about Hulk Hogan. I always liked that. You know, Macho Man was always willing to have Miss Elizabeth stand in front of him, so he couldn't, you know, be defeated. To shove it right in front of me. Oh, what are you going to do now? Oh yeah, Miss Elizabeth standing in front of me. Like, you know, and Hulk was always just kind of like the drink your milk, take your vitamins. Like, yeah, wave the American flag. <laughs> I just, I never, I, I love this theme song. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm a real American. It's fucking awesome. But, <laughs> you know, Macho Man just fucking owned all the time. <laughs> Even when he got bit by uh, Jake the Thick Robert's snake, Damien. <laughs> what Damien, baby. That way, but it did. Maybe the monkey, the monkey might be able to, to, to kind of, cut in on this too though but I do wonder and I know you hate it when when we do it or when we say it but I do wonder if that is something in which your age does play a part because you got to remember something you're born in 84 and this is when Hulkamania Mm -hmm. starts so for like guys that were like me and Monkey's age you know which Monkey I know is like a a few years older than me uh, but not by much you know for us like, this was, like, a larger-than-life thing that occurred at, like, a very integral part of, like, our childhoods, which I think helped make him even bigger in our eyes. Well, yeah, dude. It's like because you had the whole Hulkamania thing. You had, the you know, the access going against him, like you're saying, you know. And, again, Hulkamania, like, what, like you know, again, I didn't watch the wrestling except every once in a while on Saturday after Saturday morning cartoons. But, you know, at that time was, it was, you know, Hulk Hogan was especially being like shoved in your face as the, you know, the the number one good guy, you know, you know, especially fucking rock and roll uh, wrestling on Saturday morning cartoons. (laughs) And, you know, just, yeah, it's just, he was the guy. And this was, the first time that nationally wrestling like had blown up to where you actually had recognizable characters, you know, across the country and they weren't separated by 
the divisions. By the regions, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, the regions. Mm-hmm. The territories, yeah. Yeah, that's the word. Th- yeah, yeah, that's the word. word. Thank you, King. Yes. <laughs> yeah, territories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was, it was the first time where you were getting this, that program, WWF, you know, mm-hmm. superstars every Saturday, you know, and Saturday Night Main Event. A lot of cage matches because <laughs> they just love Oh, yeah, Saturday Night Main Event. Uh, uh, oh, and that's what they like. See, so because I, growing I up then, like I didn't realize that wrestling was, you know, I don't want to use the F word, but I didn't realize that it was written. So all my <laughs> friends who were watching wrestling and had the figures, you know, and sh- shit like that, you know, the, the the big bendy figures like you got King, you know, they'd get me to watch it when oh, we yeah. would have slumber parties and shit like that. And like, I'm like, you know, and as a little kid, I'm here like on the verge of tears and shit like that when the British Bulldogs, you know, get their dog kidnapped. And I'm like, why the fuck would someone take someone's <laughs> dog? Oh my God, this is fucking horrible. You know, because I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize it was scripted. You know, I thought this was like real shit. You know, so when I watch this shit at friends' houses, sometimes it would really fuck me up, man. Especially when they saw, you know, the dog snap. But I, like, I think, I think, what, what, what was her name? Like, uh, Petunia or something? The, the British bulldog. Oh, Matilda. Matilda that's was it. The bulldog. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Matilda was the British bulldog's bulldog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Undertaker rolls into dead person? What? <laughs> oh, shush. Yeah, but you got to remember, okay, what? King, those, those of us growing up when you were born, there was no Taker yet. <laughs> okay? <laughs> no. Yeah. I the closest we had to the dead man at that point was like Kamala. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just slapping his belly. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just a great time to be alive. And, you know, that time, like, especially transitioning to the attitude era where it's like, Oh, we're on a whole nother level with what we're going to do with wrestle. Like it's, it's amazing to see the transition because I was there, I was very young, but I was there for like, you know, the, the early days of Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Big Boss Man, you know, and then transitioning into Stone Cold Steve Austin and DX and the nation of domination. It's like, let's see that transition where it was full on story where it's like, we're going to give you stories. We're going to give you characters. Like we talked about the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brian Pillman incident where he brought the fucking gun mm-hmm. to Brian Pillman's house. And he's like, I'm going to shoot you, Steve. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. Cut the camera. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is wrestling. <laughs> you know, I thought it was just fucking cage matches and shit, but, you know, apparently Steve Austin is breaking into Brian Pillman's house, like, and he has a gun. <laughs> you know? Isn't that assault? Kind of, <laughs> yeah, Steve's like he should yeah, go to which jail is why cops, point, which no. is why cops would show up and arrest him, and then he fucking escape out of the cop car and show back up in the middle of the fucking arena, <laughs> like fucking Houdini or some shit. your whole thing, monkey. Like, I know for me, like, I was at that point still with, uh, with, you know, obviously, like, there were plenty of people, mostly relatives, you know, older relatives, who were like, oh, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake, you know. But, but again, as a kid, you know, you, you kind of buy into, like, certain things. It's like, okay, sure. sure. You know, most of the, the matches are staged. And, 
you know, that mm-hmm. there's things that, that are going to happen and that they're, they're dictated. They practice and they do this and they do that. But then for me, the thing that got me that I, I legitimately thought something had occurred to the point that I went run, running into my parents' bedroom. And again, Saturday night's main event came on in place of Saturday Night Live. So it typically started at mm-hmm. about 1130 at night. So it wasn't fucking early. Really? Yeah. The main event on Saturday night's main event was normally starting around 1245, you know. The Hulk Hogan and Macho Man versus fucking uh, Million Dollar Man, and I think it was Andre when... It was. I think yep. it was. I think it was when Macho got tossed out of the ring and collided into Elizabeth. And Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, saw Elizabeth was down, so he picked her up and, like, carried her out into the back because she was hurt. And you got Hulk Hogan, you know, and again, this is the mega powers. He's, like, almost in tears, like, you know, begging them to help her because she's really hurt. I went running into my parents' bedroom, and I'm like, oh, my God, I think Elizabeth is dead. They fucking, like, I, <laughs> I legitimately thought, like, this. I, my mother could have killed me, bro. She was ready to fucking beat the ever loving shit out of me because you know what one thing they fucking hated more than anything else was being woken up let alone being woken up for some <laughs> bullshit like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, yeah, I I had a similar experience back in the day during the, the Attitude Era I don't remember which Monday Night Raw it was but it was when the Undertaker kidnapped Steve Austin and he brought him to the mortuary and Paul Bearer was there and he was going to sacrifice him to the devil. And he had this fucking dagger and shit like that. And I wasn't supposed to be up that late. I had school in the morning, so I'm watching this late at night. And I'm like, oh, shit. I put a fucking blanket underneath the door so they wouldn't see the light. And all of a sudden, the door kicked open. My dad's like, go to fuck the bed. And I was like, oh, he's going to be sacrificed. Let's the devil. Like, I got to see this. I don't give a shit. He's like, it's not real. He's like... He's like, your ass better be in bed. I was like, but still. He's like, nope. He's like, it's not real anyway. He's like, who cares? I was like, uh, I was like, I knew it was fake. I knew it wasn't real. But I was like, God, it's so compelling. I was like, it's great. Like, nope. As we go to bed. <laughs> Wouldn't be until years later when I saw the end of that segment. I was like, finally, I can see it. But yeah. At least you knew he survived when you saw him on next week's episode. Yeah, when he got sacrificed on the Undertaker symbol and shit. <laughs> they did that back in the day. They crucified people. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> um, and, and to wrap that up, um, I, I had sent you guys the pictures and shit like that, but uh, my friend Jennifer Lynn uh, works for a vintage toy store, and Kane, of all people, came to the store on Sunday to sign autographs oh and shit like that, meet people at a sold-out event. And <laughs> I've got to give it to Glenn Jacobs. He still wears the mask with the fucking hair. He's signing autographs, and he just sat there the entire time. He had a huge table. Of course, my friend Jennifer is, like, five feet tall, so she looks like a child next to him. And she's like, she this so is my cute. friend Andy. <laughs> you know, he's, he said that you're his favorite wrestler of all time. And he's like, Andy? She's like, yes, Andy. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he signed it, so now I have a, a king <laughs> autograph coming to me. Uh, How old one of the guys I've always wanted to <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, okay. Is he a Make-A-Wish kid? He's your favorite wrestler of all time, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and 
she had no idea who he was. She didn't know what he did. I'm trying to explain to her. I was like, well, that's Undertaker's brother. He was burned in a fire at a funeral home, and he came back. And she's like, is that all they did? She's like, that's stupid. <laughs> I was like, hey, you're not a wrestling fan. You wouldn't get it. That was some serious shit. Undertaker had a brother, <laughs> and he burned him. Like, you know, and he came back at Bad Blood in 97, ripped the cage door off, and then gave him a tombstone pile driver in the middle of the ring. It was fucking amazing. Like, you know. <laughs> I was like, I felt like a fucking child trying to explain to an adult why I fucking love Kane so much. She's like, well, you got ref. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you didn't tell him about bad blood. <laughs> so it was very cool. So I, I appreciate that. But um, moving into what I wanted to talk about tonight. First of all, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you, Ghoul, is that you saw the new Spider-Man movie, Across the Spider-Verse. How was it? What did you think? Listen, keeping it spoiler free, you know, it is it is easily my favorite Spider Man film. Um I love uh, that second, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> second. Second, it goes behind second. No Way Home. Um only because again, No Way Home being live action, uh yeah, yeah. you know, for me feels like a bit more of like a of a feat to to accomplish. But that being said, they took what they did with the original Spider-Verse film and just blew it up. And they did it in mm. all the right ways. I mean, every fucking frame of this movie is like art. And not, is, not only is it just art, because you're watching what's obviously going on on the screen, but if you're paying attention to the backgrounds, the backgrounds are dynamic as well. Uh, every single, mm-hmm. you know universe or character has their own art style that is going on with it and it is it's just it's it's a beautiful fucking movie to watch and i i cannot wait to Mm. go see it again yeah monkey i think as an artist you're gonna really really enjoy this movie uh i i I, obviously i'm a big spider-verse fan to begin with but i can't even recommend this movie highly enough because it really is just fucking it's it's incredible and you know the the news obviously i don't do spoilers i don't i don't look you know at any of this stuff ahead of time um so so uh yeah you know i guess it's kind of not a spoiler now but like you know they they do infinity war this uh we do not get the continuation of this movie until march of next year mm well oh oh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I love the first one, so I'm looking forward to seeing the second one. I'm probably going to go see it this weekend. Um, and I heard that there are talks of doing a live-action Miles Morales movie, which we've been championing mm-hmm. on the show for the longest time, to have a live-action Miles Morales movie. And I was like, if it could happen, that'd be fucking awesome. Because, I mean, Donald Glover, he's way too old to play the character now, but, man, if it's been a couple years before, I would love to see Donald Glover play uh, Miles Morales, because they based that character off him. But oh, know, nah, he's too old. Donald Glover, Donald Glover is actually in the MCU already. He's Miles' uncle. Yes, he is. He's, yes, he is. He's yeah. the they made him Miles' uh, uncle. Yeah, yeah, they made him Miles' uncle. They're like, well, we can't make you Miles, so we can make you his uncle, and that's cool. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, they, they originally based that character off of him. Um, but yeah, he aged out, obviously. But, um I'm really looking forward to it because I do love the original uh, Spider-Verse movie. So good, like different animation styles. But I instead opted to go see The Boogeyman, 
you know, on Sunday, the, the new movie based off the Stephen King short story directed by Rob Savage, who did Host. Um, all I could say was that it was the most aggressively boring movie I've ever seen. It was just oh. aggressively just bland. It was so fucking bland. I, I was hoping that it was – I knew it was rated PG-13, so I knew going into it, it's a PG-13 horror movie, temper the expectations. But by the end of it, I was like, that was the most aggressively bland movie I've ever seen. And then I was like, well, Rob Savage, the guy that did Host, directed it, and I didn't like Host. But, like, it's just – it was just so plotting. Like, it took so long to get to the end of the movie – like, the characters were just bland, and they were just, they tried to inject, like, story into it, but it just didn't work, and there, there are, and it's not really a spoiler, but there's a group of teenage girls in this movie that deal with the main character, who's a, a girl in high school, who lost her mother. They are so aggressively mean to her about her mom being dead that it rivals Halloween 4 with Jamie Lloyd, when the kids are like, your mom's dead. Your uncle's the boogeyman. Like, you know, I was like, no, these girls rival those girls so hard because they're like, (laughs) because these girls, when she comes back to school after her mom's death, they're like, oh, your mom's dead. Man, that kind of sucks, right? I'm like, wow, these girls are fucking terrible for no reason. And they're supposed to be her friends. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, like there's just, there wasn't much. Um, But David Desmalchian, uh, from Suicide Squad, who played Polka Dot Man, shows up in Lester Billings in this movie, and it was great. <laughs> Anytime he's on screen, I'm like, I'm, I kind of like this guy as a character, an uh, actor, but wasn't enough, and it's just, man. <laughs> By the time the movie ended, I was like, thank fuck, this is over. It felt so long. It felt like a two-hour movie. Oh, I, like, man. <laughs> I wanted to like it. I wanted to. I was like, I like the Boogeyman short story by Stephen King. It's a really great story, but they just kind of took it and went their own direction with it. But I was like, there's no way you can make this boring. And they managed to do it very easily. And it's just a very CGI heavy movie. I, was like, I don't like that either. <laughs> you know, when you, when you get to see the boogeyman, you know, come out and it's like, Oh, that's what it looks like. Uh, CGI. <laughs> it looks like, like fucking oh, death. You know. Yay. <laughs> so I got a question I was just for you, heavily disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. The girl that plays the lead in that film, um, as far as the, the, the young mm-hmm. girl you're talking about, how was she in the movie? She's an actress. She's in Yellow Jackets, and she's actually really good in that. Yeah. Um, so, so I was interested in how she did in the film, being, I guess, this is like kind of her first you know, film that, that, that she's doing where she's the lead. She's probably the only thing that you're going to like about the movie if you see it, because she is fantastic. Like, from start to finish, okay, cool. She reminded me very much of, like, a young Emma Stone. Like, I just got very much Emma Stone vibes from her the entire time, the way she was acting, the way that she delivered her lines. But she was actually interesting, where it's like I wanted to see more of her, but they just they gave you just enough at the same time. There was points in the movie where I'm like, why is she doing this? <laughs> why is she agreeing to do this? So I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird So you say moment. Emma Stone. Now, I got a question, though, okay? So and I could see where this would connect as well. Was she kind of like a young Juliette Lewis? No, I did not get those vibes okay. from her at all. I got Emma Stone okay. from Superbad vibes. Yeah, that's that's okay, the cool. vibe no, I got. No, like, I could. That's a good thing. Yeah, I could see where you're going. I could see where you're going with that. But no, I, I got very much 
super bad Emma Stone vibes, like, you know, her first movie and, she's trying, you know, very raspy voice, you know, just very kind of mm-hmm. quiet and shit like that. Um, you know, she was, it was great to watch, but at the same time, just everything around her was just bad. <laughs> it's just, you know, even the little kid that played her sister, I wanted to like her, but it's just, no, it's just, it was just bad. Like, it's just, you know, well, you have it, a very convoluted ending. Yeah. In, in Yellow Jackets, she so plays you, the younger version of Juliette Lewis. So the reason I was asking that is, oh, okay. you know, like, well, watch, while watching that series, like, it is amazing to see her, mm-hmm. like, when you watch her as the young Juliette Lewis, you're kind of like, holy shit. Like, either she's, like, that's either how she is or she is that good of an actress because it's like she kind of really becomes a young version of what you see as Juliette Lewis. So that's why I was just wondering if that's, that's kind of what she comes off as in this because if that's the case and it's just her, then, then that's going to be interesting in the years to come. But, I mean, it's, it's still interesting if it just means she's that good an actress. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, you say that she's kind of channeling the Juliet Lewis because she's playing the younger character. But yeah, to me, I just totally got Emma Stone vibes the entire time. Where I was like, yeah, she's doing a great job as Emma Stone, you know, and acting opposite all these people. <laughs> like they had some <clears throat> great concepts, <clears throat> but overall, it just it didn't work. And then you have the shitty fucking CGI monster, and it's like, okay, no, you know, it's fine. Like they they had great ideas, but they just didn't know what to do with them. And it was unfortunate because I really had high hopes that the Boogeyman would end up on my list for this year. But, nope, <laughs> it's, like, it's going to go by the wayside. Um, but speaking about upcoming movies, uh, did you guys have a chance to check out the Sympathy for the Devil trailer, the new Nicolas Cage movie? Yes, I did. Well, you, you <laughs> asked us to, so I did. I did, so I want to make sure. So, Mark, let me give it to you first. Uh, what did you think about the trailer for Sympathy for the Devil? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if exactly what they're trying to give us in the trailer is what's really happening. I'm really hoping that that's what's really going on is possibly some weird-ass funky mystical kind of shit, you know, going on in in the thing. It would be cool if it was, but I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it is. I'm sure it's right. another another angle completely. Um, it. If they were going that route, this would be fucking awesome because it's looking like, you know, Cage is dialing this up to fucking 11 and he's <laughs> definitely going to give us a fun fucking ride. Uh, but I am still though, very, very hesitant because, again, like, you know, we've said so many times, the, the trailers in the past couple of years have gotten so bad where they are literally taking all of the great parts and putting it into these little two-minute segments, and that's everything that's fucking cool in the entire movie, and the rest of the movie fucking sucks. You know, so, so mm. I'm hoping that is not the case, because this definitely looks like it's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, cool. What would you think about the trailer? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position as mine. I mean, you guys know how I feel with Cage. I feel like it's a, he, he's one of those where it's either going to work or it's not. Um, and, and with him, when it doesn't work, it's, you know, I don't know, it's, it's almost a full-on disaster because it's, it's just too much. It becomes, you know, just overwhelmingly annoying, I mean, to me anyway. Um, but that being said, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think what the monkey's trying to say is basically, you know, are, are we seeing something in which Nicolas Cage is just playing like a psychotic 
or is Nicholas play is Nicholas Cage playing the fucking devil himself? Um, yeah. If he is actually if he's actually playing the devil, I think that makes for a very interesting. Uh, uh, I'm going to put it out there. I think Nicholas Cage could be the you know the next most interesting devil since fucking uh, since since Pacino. To be honest with you, you know, like oh, uh, yeah. I, I think he could. He could give us a take on it that uh, that that would be very entertaining. Hmm. And yeah, I agree with both of your sentiments, and I like the fact that the trailer kind of played it where you don't really know if he's playing the devil or not. He could just be playing a psychotic character, you know, who might think he's a devil, but he's actually not. He's just a gun-toting fucking character. But again, I'm a vampire. of Nicolas Cage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where he's playing this this uh, manic character. And you have Joel Kinnaman, who played Flag in, in Suicide Squad and the other Suicide Squad movies, you know, playing the, the character opposite him. Um, and you just get to see the best moments of Nicolas Cage going off. You know, when he's sitting in the, the diner, he's like, sit down! Like, you know, just getting that Nicolas Rage Cage in his voice, um, talking to the trucker. And then also, you know, he's like, I wanted to be 100% sexy tonight, but you made me 50% sexy. So I guess I'm going to have to deal with that. <laughs> you know? And it's just, you just, I, I can't wait for the movie to come out just to see what it is. You know, is it a supernatural movie where he is a devil? Or is he just a fucking psychopath with fucking red-dyed hair, you know, wearing a fucking red suit jacket and tormenting this poor guy who just wants to get to his wife who's giving birth? You know, and I love the fact that he was mocking the wife on the phone. He's like, uh, uh, you know, as she's trying to talk to him. I was like, yeah. It's a, you just, you got to love it when Nicolas Cage goes unhinged. Like, <laughs> I, just, I love it. So I'm, I'm so in for it. I can't wait. Um, I think it comes out uh, in a couple months on video and uh, in theaters. So we'll see if it gets a theatrical release. I think it might just go on digital, you know, real quick. <laughs> you know, it's RLJE, you know, releasing it. Uh, I was going to say it's RLJE, which, yeah, I, I typically know them as, as straight, to, straight to, to, to home release type of deal. Yeah. You know, so that's why I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't hit theatrically worldwide, if it just goes right to on demand. Um, so Zack Snyder has an upcoming movie called Rebel Moon that we've talked about on the show before. Um, uh. It was released via Variety this week <laughs> that Rebel Moon is essentially going to become four movies. Oh, no, that's going that for much a while. This is, like, this is like Avatar size is what he's got going on here. Yeah, because he just did an interview this week where he talked about how he has four different cuts where two of them for Rebel Moon are going to be anyone can watch it, kids, people, whatever. And then the other two Rebel cuts are going to be more explicit and strictly for adults. Snyder said, I think fans of mine and people who are ready to take a deeper, harder dive into my stuff, you know, they'll have fun with that. And I'm like, I don't know, will we, though? Because I don't really have a lot of fun with Zack Snyder movies. Four of them... No, it's fine, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> obviously Netflix keeps giving him money, so he's going to do whatever he wants with it, so, you know, God bless. I, what do you know about this, <laughs> you know. Monkey? Do you know anything about Rebel Moon at all? I know absolutely nothing, except that Snyder's name is attached to it, so I'm just, like, giving it a pass right off the gate like that, man, especially after the last movie we had to watch with his. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big sci-fi fan, 
And that's that's pretty much mm-hmm. what this is is billed as. It's you know this is high concept, you know, full on like we're world building science fiction. And you know if it's done right, it can it can be great. You know we we've seen it with with, with other franchises. You know to, to to various degrees of success. You know I mean we can look at at Pitch Black and and Riddick and whatnot and say okay hey listen this was supposed to be high concept. There's times that it works and it works really well when it does, but then there's times where you're like eh. Then you see movies like Jupiter Ascending, you know, which was supposed to be a franchise. <laughs> Oh, that was oh, yeah. so bad. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> man. I, that was Vin Diesel. I just cool right? girl that was Vin Diesel? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're thinking, uh, no, no, the, 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 the blood, blood spot, blood sport or whatever it was. I think that was the only other one. I Vin thought Diesel he was in Jupiter Ascending. Uh, I thought that was uh, Vin Diesel. Movie. Oh, no, hmm. no. I know which one you're thinking. You're thinking the one where he had to, like, fucking save that child or whatever it was. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that one was that seven. one was that one I liked. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that Jupiter Ascending is Mila Kunis and fucking uh, Channing Tatum, bro. And it is yeah, uh, okay, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Put it this way, Channing oh, Tatum is like a fucking dog, like human hybrid thing or some shit like that. <laughs> okay. And they've got like weird, weird flying like anklet things. Like when I tell, like, and again. I take in a lot of bad fucking sci-fi concepts, and I can go with them. Man, this movie was fucking atrocious, bro. Uh, again, the ghoul girl called it, like, stupider <laughs> descending at some point, and I was like, holy shit, you just really gave this, you gave this movie the fucking best name that it could possibly ever have. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> stupider descending. And, man, Myla Cooney's that's what you, was just so fucking annoying. That's what your fucking brain holy is doing shit. while you're watching this film. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, it's going away. You're not any smarter for watching it. But uh, but this might work. Yeah, because I, I, mean? you know? I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, holy shit, this looks fucking cool as shit. Let me give this a try. And I was just like, oh. Oh. Oh, my God. It's like, it's, oh, yeah. It's just so bad. <laughs> Ender's Game, another one, you know, based off of a, a super popular book series, but just... Uh, just didn't translate well to, to actual film at all. Uh, did you yeah, check no, that one out? That was Harrison no. Ford in the movie. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. There are a number, number of big people in yeah. that movie. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I haven't seen that one. but um, <clears throat> And, yeah, we, we talked about that. I brought up Vin Diesel. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, him being mad at Jason Momoa for the dismal response <laughs> to Fast 10. And I was like, well, he was the best fucking part of the movie. Like, what are you so upset about? Oh, that's because he overshadowed you. That's right. Because he did better than you in that movie. Where I wanted to see more of Dante and less of Dom. So, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's what, when I brought up Vin Diesel, like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. We talked about it in the group chat. Um, <laughs> so, a little bit more comic book news, because the, the Dean's not here, so we can talk about a little bit more comic book movies. Um, the fourth Captain America movie was originally going to be titled New World Order, but Marvel took to social media this week to announce that the new title for Captain America Part 4 is Brave New World, with a release date of May 3rd, 2024. You see, I was kind of hoping that they would stick with the New World Order fucking title, because that is actually in the comic books. It was more of a Hulk comic than a Captain America yeah. comic, because New yeah, World Order was, not... by, was led by Red Skull, 
had, you know, uh, yeah, that that sounds, it sounds racist as fuck, man. <laughs> New World Order? Well, that was in the comics. I mean, it's not racist. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's part of a comic book line. A really good one, too. Have you guys read the, that line? The whole comics with New World Order? Like, it's really good. No. I, I, I haven't gotten to that one yet. It's, it's one that, again, like I said, I have, like, a, a huge list of, like, comics that I, I have to yeah. eventually get to, uh, and that is one of them. I just haven't done it yet. So, yeah, it's a really good run. It was a short run of comics. But, yeah, it was it was heavily involving Hulk and uh, Captain America as well as Red Skull, Thunderbolt Ross, Betty Ross. Because I know that they did say that uh, Liv Tyler was going to be coming back to this movie as Betty Ross as well as uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Um, I can't remember who played him. I mean, was it Chris Elliott? No, not Chris Elliott. It was, uh, yeah. Samuel, wasn't it? Samuel? I can't remember. Getting my characters mixed up. I oh, remember who played uh, John, Thunderbolt Ross. No, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Hurt. He passed away. John Hurt. Or is it William Hurt? Yeah, I think William Hurt's still alive. I think that was, that was William Hurt. Maybe it might it be William Hurt. John Hurt died. Yeah. It was one of the Hurts. But, yeah, I heard he was coming back for that Captain America movie. I know Harrison Ford is a part of Captain America. You know, no, uh, it was, it was William Hurt, and William Hurt died, too. He died, too? Wow. I had no idea that he died. So that's amazing. <laughs> that one just skipped. When did he die? Recently? They can make me look it up all over again, wow. Dammy. See, see how professional we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. The other you had pulled up. I thought you were like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> uh, it said it was. Um, it was yeah, uh, I was going to say that. That'd be recent. Uh, uh, last March. March of 2022. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah. So somebody's got to step in and some of our laws for this movie. But won't be William Hurt. He's dead. So is John Hurt. Um, but anyway, uh, so there is a docuseries coming out this September on MGM Plus called Psycho, The Lost Tapes of Ed Gein. This gripping and disturbing docuseries shines a light on an infamous chapter of true crime history. It will take an in-depth look at not only the life of one of the most notorious serial killers of all time, but also explores the impact his crimes had on both the victims and our culture. I hate that description because Ed Gein is not a serial killer. He killed two people. He was, you know, a necrophiliac. He, he did things with bodies. He collected body parts. But for them to say he was a serial killer, I was like, that, that's kind of a stretch. Because he only killed two people, Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden, and then he was captured. And his house was a fucking horror house. I mean, it had nipple belts and ears and skull buckets and things like that. But, you know, anytime Ed Gein comes up, I'm like, I wish they would talk about him more because he was a disturbing fucking little man. So... And he inspired so many characters, Norman Bates, Leatherface, Hannibal Lecter. But, so we'll see what Psycho, The Lost Apes of Ed Dean, has in store for us this September on MGM+. Plus. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because there's never a lot about Ed Dean. I feel like he gets kind of tossed to the background because you have heavies like John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, but little old Ed in Wisconsin, you know, killing two people. It's like, no, yeah, you got to up your game, Ed. Never did. <laughs> I think that's kind of the problem. You know what I mean? Like, Gein's, Gein's legacy, you know, when you look at characters like Hannibal the Cannibal and stuff like that, like, that, that, that <clears throat> is where, you know, he becomes remembered. Unfortunately, a lot of that is just remembering him wrong. Um, 
like I said, <laughs> yep. really what it comes down to is, is just the, the low numbers are what leads to, to him kind of being put to the back burner. You know, I, I think people know him more for his creativity, and they, they do think of, you know, him as the inspiration for Leatherface, him as the inspiration for, you know, a, a number of other horror characters, but, you know, him himself. And Buffalo Bill, it, just, yeah. it, it isn't there, you know, Buffalo Bill, exactly, you know. But who knows? Yeah, you know, it's, it's I, not I know. I know. There's only two that they know, but you know, obviously, it's always been suspected that there may have been others. And he's the one too, where I think they suspected he killed his brother too, didn't didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, his brother Henry um, supposedly died in a forest fire, um, and Ed was like, "My brother died. My brother died." Uh, and we're like, "Okay, barn well, fire. where is it?" He's like, "I'll show you." Right to where the no, in the far, it, he died in the forest. Like, there was a fire in the forest, and they thought he succumbed to the fire. But, you know, they didn't know where his body was, and Ed's like, well, I'll take your rat to it. <laughs> he takes the rat to the body, and they're like, oh. He's like, but I thought you got lost in the woods going home. And he's like, no, I never said that. <laughs> you, know, you know, and they, they found his body, but there was injuries to his body that he couldn't have possibly had during a fire. Like, he had injuries to his head, his stomach. Like, you know, obviously Ed killed him, but they never really could peg the murder on him. Um, and it's like when uh, uh, Mary Hogan went missing, they were wondering where she was, and Ed was like, <laughs> well, she's hanging out in my barn. And they're like, oh, Ed, you little scamp. Oh, look at you talking about she's hanging out in the barn. No, she's not. And he's like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'm a funny little man. <laughs> <laughs> they are finding her decapitated body hung upside down inspired in the barn. Mr. Rogers, judging by the king's uh, impression, Ed inspired Mr. Rogers as well. But that's exactly how he sounded. <laughs> he was just a very soft-spoken guy. He was just like, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to my house now. And they're like, well, he can't do it. He's fine, you know. But let's all go to the land of make-believe. Um, <laughs> so... He used to babysit kids in the community, and they would come home, and they'd be like, Ed has a lot of skulls around, and he has a lot of, like, shrunken heads and stuff. It's kind of weird. And the parents were like, well, that's all right. He works cheap. That's why we let him babysit you. And I was like, I don't know if I'd want to go into the fucking house of horrors, <laughs> you know, where he has all this shit. But they're like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's cheap. You know, it's Wisconsin. So um, he was just a, a weird little guy, but they don't talk about him enough, you know, and it, it was back when they didn't really have a lot of videotape, obviously. I mean, it was in the 40s, so there's not a lot of tape of Ed Gein talking, you know, giving interviews, because he didn't really do a lot of that. He died in 84, um, fat and happy in a mental institution. <laughs> he was probably the happiest guy he'd ever been. He's like, I don't have to live in that house anymore, and they burned it down, so I don't have to worry about it. I can just sit in a mental institution, and they can just, you know, feed me, and I'll be okay. <laughs> you know, but he, he wasn't a psychopath, like, you know. <laughs> you know, he wasn't that kind of a uh, serial killer that we were used to. Um, and we were talking about Yellow Jackets earlier. Uh, so found out earlier this week, according to co-creator, co-showrunner Ashley Lyle, that there's going to be a special bonus episode of the show that they plan on airing before season three. Because season three, they said it's probably going to be a while before that gets debuted, but they're going to have a special one-off episode to kind of keep you interested until season three comes out. So, if you're a fan of Yellow Jackets Uh-oh. and kind of want more, there's a special episode coming. I'm guessing that's got something to do with the uh, with that writer strike that we keep talking about. 
does might. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, though, it, it, it is fascinating with the whole idea of uh, of them having this standalone episode. Uh, um, probably something that they they had in you know re- either ready to go or thinking about, but being that the show ended the season the way that it did, um, you know, it was. I, I'm surprised that we definitely got. Well, I'm not surprised we got a third season. The show is fantastic. But the way they ended it, they yeah. did one of those things where they kind of ended it in a way like, oh, okay, this could end here and us not get another season, and you kind of got most of your questions answered. Um, and, like, character lines were wrapped up, but they did leave some, mm-hmm. not loose threads, but threads that are like, hey, you know, is that sticking out, I might be able to pull on that, and let's see what happens with it. So, so cool. I'm glad they're getting another season, because I, I, I love that show, so uh, I cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be a while because of the writer's strike, but they do have another episode that they're going to inject before season three to kind of keep it going. So I'm excited for it. Um, but um, moving on to something that we all know about, the monster serials. You know, they come out every Halloween. They have Booberry, Count Chocula, you know, Frankenberry, maybe sometimes Fruit Brute, maybe sometimes, you know, the other one, Yummy Mummy. So for the first time in 35 years, General Mills introduced mummy. a new character called <laughs> Carmella Creeper to their monster serial line. The character itself is the first female character for the brand and looks to be a mix of a zombie and the Bride of Frankenstein. The serial itself is caramel apple flavored with marshmallows. So kind of cool that they're they're introducing a brand new character it's been 35 years since another one and it's a female carmella creeper and she's so, a and she's guy. a dj we yeah. she's on the ones in tune <laughs> <laughs> i saw that and I'm like, that's cool i mean yes welcome to club bundusack Oh no. No. We forgot this shirt. It's a little funky so, yeah, so that's to look forward to this Halloween season, as always. I'm a booberry guy, but they brought back Fruit Brute last year. I was so fucking excited. I was so happy. that like, That was my favorite. But uh, I actually had the little monster serial mascots that I won via contest uh, from Cause. Uh, the monkeys seeing them. They're on my shelf in my living room. You know, the little monster serial mascots. I was like, oh, there they are. <laughs> Fruit Brute and Booberry and Count Chocula. And, you know. Oh, it's always been a child, uh, part of my childhood because my grandparents are the one that used to buy me that cereal because my parents would never do that. So I would stay over at my grandparents' house and be like, what cereal, uh, cereal do you want? I'm like, fucking Booberry, man. Fucking go. I'm like Adam Goldberg <laughs> over here eating my fucking Booberry cereal. <laughs> For some reason, they always have that in the house. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get uh, Booberry very often. You know, my, my parents are kind of boring on the cereal. Most of the time it was uh, Frosted Flakes, okay. Raisin Bran. Cheerios. Uh, every once in a while. And now we, we didn't have Cheerios all that often, surprisingly enough. I think that didn't really? like, start okay. coming around to yeah. my Yeah, to my sisters were born. Um, but uh, once mm-hmm. in a blue moon, I'd get, like, Cow Chocula. Once in a blue moon, <laughs> I'd get Frankenberry. But, uh, but no, Booberry was, not, uh, was never really on my, on my radar. 
Yeah, Boo Bear was always my favorite. And then there was one time when I was a kid, I was staying with my grandparents on my father's side, and they let me buy a box of Cookie Crisp, and I thought I was in fucking heaven. I'm like, I can eat Cookie oh, Crisp. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, let's fucking cookie go. Cookie Crisp is shit, bro. <laughs> I fucking just loved it. I was like, I could never get this in my house. It's going to fucking tear up the roof of your mouth, but you don't give a fuck, man. You're just going to keep going at it. <laughs> no, I mean, I grew up poor, so I had, like, Pathmark brand cereal where it just had cereal on the box. You didn't know what it was. You just fucking opened it up, and whatever it was, was whatever it was. Could be Oak brand, could be something else. But, yeah, it was Pathmark brand cereal. <laughs> we grew up poor. You know, the gold might remember that, that fucking Iowa Pathmark where it was just, like, cereal, water. Toast. <laughs> Remember <laughs> that? Yep. What, you oh, mean man, like bro. in Repo Man? <laughs> fucking yes, poor man. exactly in Repo Man. Yeah, Zach fucking, you know, when, when he was in school, he actually, you know, of all things, you know, to, to finally get the kid, like, politically motivated. What did it? The fact that they tried to pawn off cheap imitation uh, cinnamon toast mm-hmm. crunch. Okay, he was not <laughs> yeah. having it. Not having it at all. Okay, he completely, one hundred percent, like fought them on it and and got real cinnamon toast crunch at that school because they were just like, yep, nope. Yeah, he's <laughs> quite, yeah. quite proud of himself as he he's literally walking through the living room right now, like kind of like pounding his chest and like boogieing, you know, due to the fact that he knows that, that, that he can do that. So. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have fucking cinnamon toast crunch until I was a fucking teenager, and I could buy it on my own because I was working. I was like, I'm gonna get cinnamon toast crunch. I like commercials. <laughs> I never had that when I was a kid. They just gave me a bowl of cereal, just looked like nothing. Just like the old fucking newspaper bits and milk. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I love being Here's some to get. brand. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of brand. A lot of fucking brand. Even get Apparently, my parents just want to make sure I should brand. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, it was crackling brand. Nothing fun about it. There was no puzzle on the back or anything like that. Nope. It was just crackling brand. Uh, it's good. It'll make a shit. So that was, I guess that was their concern back in the day. Is that yeah, sure and, shit and what a regularly. fucking plan, man. Like you and your, you know, because you're a big dude and your brother's just as big. And then you've got your mom and dad, too. And it's like, let's give everyone in the house brand. I mean, we only got one bathroom. This sounds like a fucking great idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had two bathrooms, but we weren't allowed in the other bathroom because that was my parents' bedroom. So we weren't allowed in that one. That was like the sacred place. We didn't know what it looked like. We had the hallway bathroom. That was for me oh, and my brother. Oh, you lied. You lied. When, you, your, when your parents were out, you know, going to the bar, I'm sure you were like, I'm going to use the nice bathroom. <laughs> Fuck you, Matty G. <laughs> going to the bar, they drank at home. No, they both drank and hit us at home. So we've never had a fucking bar night for our parents. They're like, no, nope, we're drinking at home again. Damn it. Can you just go out once? We want to see what the bathroom looks like. Nope. <laughs> that door was locked all the time. <laughs> that bedroom door was always locked if they weren't around. Like, you're not coming in here. I'm like, what's in there? I got to know. Probably just a lot of coke in here. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, was, it was the 80s and 90s. I mean, who knows? We were never allowed in that room. It was like sacred ground. No, my brother and I had to fight for one bathroom. And it took more than five minutes. Somebody was fucking pissed. That's why I said, like on the show, I take the fastest shits in the world, like two seconds. All right, gone, done, out. <laughs> I don't relax. I don't have time to 
look at my phone or, you know, hang out. No, I'm like, no, i got to go, go, go. I have no time because I grew up that way. When it's like, as soon as you heard a knock on the door, that was it. That was your time. All right, that's my time. <laughs> I'm in now. I wasn't finished, but you know what? I'll do it later. Matty <laughs> you know, G needs to get in and do whatever he needs to do. He's a teenager. He's got, you know, budding sexual interests. <laughs> I don't know, man. I take my sweet ass time. I'm pooping. You know, I get on there, man. Yeah. I, uh, yep. Unless somebody's banging on the I door, wish I knew what that was know, like. With, with like an actual problem, but uh, yep, yep. For the most part, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna be on there. I got my fucking either. I got reading materials that are already in there, or I got my fucking got my phone you, with you, me, and I'm gonna go down whatever rabbit hole I'm gonna go down on uh, learning shit. Oh, you have you have the stack of reading material in there. That's where all the Stephen King is. <laughs> no, no, you know what? Like I, I used to. We have a radiator that's like right next to the toilet, and uh, like it would be perfect to stack shit. But unfortunately, really, all it does is hold my baby wipes, and shit falls off of it all the time. So like I have like one or two like small tiny yeah, things, and like every now and again I'll throw a, a comic book on there or something, like uh, a trade paperback. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because the only time I ever really relaxed when I was going to the bathroom like that, taking a shit. Uh, at the, the campus that my office is at, you know, there's nobody around, so you can just go in there and, and go. So I sat in there one day, and I started doing a crossword on my phone, and I was in there for, like, maybe five minutes, and the fucking lights went out. And then I had to fucking get up, and I had to oh, raise my fucking hand around. Oh, fucking hate it when that guy. I was like, God damn it. I was like, why are the lights on a timer? You the dirty butt I was so fucking mad. I was like, shuffle over. <laughs> I had to waddle out of the stall, wave my hand around, and then waddle back in and sit down. I'm like, this sucks. I was like, I'm still here. Five minutes. With ass cheeks full of shit. (laughs) That's the fucking worst, bro. Fucking just, you know, turtling. It's like opening a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) That's exactly what it feels like, too. It just feels like you're just opening my blah. You know, I was like, damn it. I was like, I didn't even wipe yet. I was like, I didn't think I was done. I had more left in the shower. I can't wipe in the dark. It's like, funny, right? Done. It's hard to wipe in the dark. But, you you know, you really don't understand why. Because your fucking ass crack is in the same location as it is when it's in the light. But, like, <laughs> yeah, it I is. Know. It's hard it to wipe to in the dark. dark. You just lose all sense of direction. As soon as the light's out, you're like, where the fuck am I? Am I dead? <laughs> like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> why is my figure in my butt? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I touching shit? I just have toilet paper in my hand. Oh, oh, bro, this is not the worst thing when that fucking shit breaks, dude. You get a little bit of poop on your finger. It's like, oh, fucking end of the world, oh, yeah. bro. I'm like, oh, I've got fucking, your fucking day is I'm going to die. <laughs> your day is fucking done. That happened to me one morning, and I'm like, my day is ruined now because I got fucking shit on my fucking picky finger. I was like, this is it. And I was like, my day is done. I'm, up for it. I'm just going to fucking not do anything the rest of the day. <laughs> yep. This is when the zombies come. But instead of speaking about zombies, we are talking about werewolves tonight with Werewolves on Wheels, the monkey's film pick of the week from 1971, directed by Mikhail Levesque. Uh, Monkey, why don't you tell us a synopsis, what you thought about it, and let's get to Ride Geek. All right. 
Okay, this is the story of the Manic Biker Gang, the Devil's Advocate, a gang that defies the laws of society, a society that is powerless against them, as these Harley-riding motherfuckers swarm across the desert like a plague of locusts, going from town to town, taking whatever they want, whatever they want, and whoever they want. The only thing that slows them down is strong drinks, heavy drugs, and loose women. That is until they try to cross paths with some mysterious monks who have taken sanctuary in a remote temple. Dark monks who are servants of the Dark Lord. Satan? Who have a place to come from. They have devil's advocates that will destroy the, the biker gang from the inside out. Okay. So, <laughs> I might have mentioned this a couple times before on the show, but, you know, you guys know I, I fucking love motorcycle movies. All right, I'm not picky oh, yeah. if it's a street bike, like road bike, e- even motocross. I- I'm a slut for a fucking motorcycle movie. You know, you know. Of course, <laughs> you have like the go- the go-to movies. You or know? we've got the greatest, <laughs> we've got the Great Escape, the Wild Ones, Easy Rider, the Billy Scott films. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll even fucking throw in Akira and you know the, the Every Which Way movies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like fuck, man. I, I yes, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, I like seriously. It's like, I can't tell you how like how much fu- fucking fun. I, yeah, Akira is a biker movie. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know, like I, I I've, you know, I, the character the, has like, the character does indeed have a motorcycle. <laughs> yes, and he is the leader of a motorcycle gang. And if you have not seen the movie Akira, then after this episode, you you should go watch the movie King. <laughs> not me though. But, no, yeah, no, thank but you. yeah, you know. <laughs> but even like uh, fucking Harley That's Davidson, cool. the Marlboro Man. I, I, uh, <laughs> or those of us that actually grew up with it on VHS in the eighties is Canada. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want. I didn't want to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but then you've got like the dirtier, like nastier biker movies, you know, that are like Texas Chainsaw, where you watch them like they're just shot hot, you know, and just dirty and greasy, like you know, Hell's Angels on Wheels, Stone, uh, Chrome and Hot Leather. That one's really fucking fun. <laughs> the Hard Ride yeah, like and the one. fucking yeah, Black Six, and and the Black Six is another fucking great one. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, especially like all these ones that are late sixties, early seventies, when it was a time when people were discovering how fucking awesome riding a motorcycle could be. Like, you know, you, you just had all these classic American big bikes, like Harleys and Indians all over the place. But then you had, you know, all these other bikes coming over from overseas that were smaller and nimble, you know, coming from Japan. You had the Hondas, the Kawasaki's, the Yama- Yamahas, you know, I fucking love all these things, man. Uh, yeah. Like, I can sit down and watch any of these things. Like, seriously, I will even fucking watch Vanilla Ice Cool as Ice because it has... Oh, some, no. Some Don't be that guy. Sweet-ass bikes. Don't be that guy. Yes, because, because I will sit there and watch it for the <laughs> motorcycles. All right. So, what I came across... <laughs> so when I came across the trailer for this nasty, dirty film about a biker gang getting cursed by a satanic cult, like, I had to pick it. Like, I had to. And, like, as far as classy, dirty bike films goes, like, this 
100% delivers, in my opinion. You know, we've got the classic wide shots of the gang riding in the desert. We've got the nice shot, shots that were done of the bikes and, you know, get, getting the close-ups and seeing, you know, how, how they're all customized. And I even like the fucking, you know, touch at, of the truck riding at the end of the gang, kind of like a, a rolling garage form. You know, and then we've got the fighting, the troublemaking, the drinking, the drugs, the sex, you know. And then possibly finding spiritual enlightenment while tripping on acid like Jim Morrison in the desert. Because this was right after the <laughs> 60s. So we got, so we still have some hippie shit going on with our bikers. But then when it came to, like, the satanic side of things, it's like, sadly, yeah, this let me down. <laughs> All of this felt like it was taken kind of from another movie and then tacked onto this bike film. I felt like they were trying so hard to make like an essential biker film that they totally forgot that this was supposed to be a horror movie too. Especially with the satanic cult mm-hmm. and and yeah. werewolves. It's like this movie like was a, a missed opportunity. If they, if they had done this right and put all of their effort into it into the horror, like they had done into the motorcycle part, this could have been some really, really good grindhouse fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so cool. What do you think about Werewolves on Wheels? Hmm. Okay. So, you know, when Monkey announced this, you know, I like a good grindhouse. I do. I love a good grindhouse movie. And, you know, for me, I look at a grindhouse film and, like, I want something that, you know, Obviously, I don't want something like the movies that were made, you know, with uh, Quentin Tarantino and, and whatnot, where they're purposefully doing things in a way to represent what Grindhouse was. I would like a good true blue Grindhouse film in which a lot of times, you know, the movies are bad, but they're bad in execution, not in concept. A lot of times the concepts are actually quite good, and you say to yourself, wow, you know, like maybe, just maybe, you know, this, this movie could have been something had they had a better writer or some, some better performers involved with it. Um, you know, better, better makeup effects or, or something like that. Um, you know, the, the other obvious Grindhouse way to go is when it's just balls to the wall, just fucked up. Blood, rape, death, all kinds of crazy shit um, that is over the top, and it's just dripping all over on the screen, and, and, and you're just like, damn, man, I can't believe I'm watching this, but I want to see more of it. Uh, unfortunately, this film doesn't do, like, any of that. You know, like, this is Grindhouse in, like, the loosest sense of the term. I mean, it's Grindhouse in that it's, you know, it's just basically some some shoddy film movie i mean i feel i what i feel like is is like i'm watching a film that some biker gang had a guy who was like yo man i saw easy rider fucking movie was awesome people want you know people want to know all about the hell's angels and shit and and you know what man i like the wolf man so so we're gonna throw that in there as well and somebody was like yeah man you know what we're gonna use a whole gang and we're gonna we're just gonna film us riding around looking cool doing drugs, fucking bitches, and doing all this and that. And, I mean, like, listen, for the most part, that that is what the movie is. It's them riding around on their motorcycles. It's them stopping at a location, kind of fornicating. I mean, if you call it that, um, some of it's kind of weird how they do it. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're, uh, Avenger, 
eventually there is death and, and there are werewolves in this film. Uh, it just takes forever to get to them, and, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing. But, you know, again, this is one of those where I guess in a grindhouse way, like maybe if done by today's standards, this movie would take more of a Sons of Anarchy approach to it and give you... Uh, a, a bigger, more broad dynamic of what the gang does, who the gang are, and, and you know, maybe throw in, like, some kind of, like, drug fucking trade shit involved with it, too. You know, the druids are, like, a bunch of fucking rival meth dealers or something, and then that's why you get cursed with, like, lycanthropy. But, uh, but yeah, look, so, so yeah, I trudged through this movie, but thank you, Monkey, because you know what? <laughs> <laughs> You know, so we we all trust. We all trust. It, it was it. This was not. You gotta a good go thing. through bad to appreciate <laughs> the good. You know, so so that's what this movie did for me. It made me realize that man, there are so many bad movies that we review on this show that uh, that some of them are not this bad. <laughs> King, what did you think, my brother? <laughs> I think I'm the only one that didn't trudge for this movie. Like, I'm a fan of Werewolves on Wheels because I, I love 70s <clears throat> exploitation. I love 70s horror. Um, and like we talked about at the end of the episode last week, uh, this movie stars Stephen Oliver as Adam. And Stephen Oliver, he pretty much was the guy to go to when you wanted to make a motorcycle movie. Like, if you wanted to have a badass on a motorcycle, you got Stephen Oliver because he was in Motorcycle in 65. He was in Angels with Wheels um, from Hell, rather, in 68. He was in another one called Seven's Abduction from 73. Like, he was the guy like, that you wanted to get to play the fucking gang president um, for a movie. So when I saw his name pop up, I'm like, I remember this fucking movie. So, and I'm a sucker for those type of motorcycle you know, you don't know if it's a real fucking movie. At some point, it feels like it's just completely improvised, where they don't even know they're making a movie at some point. <laughs> but, you know, when we get to Mr. Burt, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, where you feel like they just turn on the camera and they're like, let's just fucking go. Um, you know, and it is sad because it has potential. You know, you have a movie called Werewolves on Wheels. You think it's going to be a whole fucking gang turning into werewolves and just riding on to the night on motorcycles. And yes! You kind of get werewolves the towards the end of the movie, but, <laughs> you know... But instead, that's you what the trailer like, made it look satanic like. Thing. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, again, Stephen Oliver is the highlight as Adam, but we'll get into it. So, the movie opens with the Devil's Advocates Motorcycle Club, led by Adam. They're cruising the streets looking for some happening heavy stuff, man. As they ride around, a green pickup truck <laughs> nearly runs over one of the gang, knocking him to the ground, and nearly running over another member. The men in the green pickup truck arrive at a gas station, but are quickly surrounded by the gang. The passenger is pulled out and gets the shit kicked out of him before the gang puts the bloody man back into the back of the pickup truck so the driver can leave unscathed. <laughs> Beat him up, man. Yeah. Get him. Yeah, give him what he deserves. So, you know, so we see that this gang is but, but not, but, not, but not you, Tiny. Here. He's twice your size. Tiny, stay over there. We're going to keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> so the gang head into the gas station where Adam has Taro, one of the gang members, read his cards for Adam's old lady, Helen. She wants to know how she's going to die. Although Adam says, we all know how we're going to die, baby. We're all going to crash and burn. Crash While this happens, the gang accosts the gang station <laughs> attendants to have Shirley show her tits to him. He's like, woman. And they're like, ha-ha, we're having fun. Um, he, he can and Carol reveals, <laughs> so, uh, Carol reveals to Helen that she's going to die in the tower struck by lightning. Heavy stuff, man. Heavy stuff. 
So the gang eventually makes their way to their next destination, a place Taro planned on taking them, an old monastery where they could just vibe with the devil man, snort some cocaine with Lucifer himself, do a little LSD with Satan. Come on, man. We're having fun. So as they're having fun and drinking beer and kind of having consensual sex, a group of monks show up appearing with bread and wine for the bikers, and they halfway accept the grub and booze as their host appears, calling himself one. He speaks for the monks who remain forever silent. He then puts a hair from Helen and puts it into a medallion he wears around his neck. The gang soon then passes out from the foods that's been drugged. Far out, man. Far out trip. So night falls, and one begins an evil ritual. He also vouches for the gang to Satan, saying they're cool because they were calling you. I mean, they were all about you, man. They were calling Lucifer. So I'll vouch for him. So one grabs a cat and sacrifices it for its blood, which I would have called Lucifer, but complete missed opportunity to not name that cat. But I digress. No, but when they kept hollering up to Satan, calling him Lucy and stuff, going, we want to hang out with Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) So you do like Cinderella. That is Lucifer. I didn't know Lucifer was in uh, that. So cool. That's fine for another day. So... (laughs) <laughs> one then grabs a magic stick and draws a circle around him, which will protect him, but it leaves a break in the circle for the bride of Satan. He then calls out the satanic band themselves. From the east, Luther. From the west, Zal. From the south, Shagged. And from the north, Beck? Like, Odalay Beck? That's fucking cool. But he makes no appearance in this movie. <laughs> I thought he meant <laughs> the band. doesn't. It's just some guy. microphone? I thought of it as like an Elvis Presley type of thing, like da, 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 da. from the north, Zol, on piano, <laughs> you know. But no, it's pretty much straightforward that they're doing a satanic ritual. So, <laughs> I just got what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On drums, we got shagged. <laughs> you know, but now. They just call them in, the they, they freak out. And on the guitar, we got So, Helen wakes up in a wedding dress, and she's won one wild trip. Helen wakes up in a wedding dress, and she's on one wild trip, man. And she arrives to the ritual, and then eats a piece of blood dipped in blood. And she's like, wow, man, that's the good shit. I am. Someone has a call. So anyway, so uh, she eats a piece of blood drip bread, and she's like, "Wow, man, that's a good shit." Soon, was that your drug phone king? Having the time, man. (laughs) The the, the one you only pay for in cash. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hooker I called for earlier. She's not coming until later after the show. Anyway, so she strips naked, starts dancing around with a snake and a skull. Adam wakes up as he hears Helen screaming, so he wakes up the gang so they can save Helen. And then one decides to bring in a phallic object in the shape of a woman to represent Helen. He places the hair he plucked from her earlier onto the figure and places it into the fire. Adam is hey, rising and punching out the gang. Yep. So they begin punching out the gang, but each of the monks marks the faces of the gang with black ash. 
As Helen's statue burns, she freaks out and passes out in Adam's arms as they run from the monastery. So that's when they decide, man. all right, we've got to head to the desert the, and get our heads straight, these are definitely not These are definitely not fighting Shaolin monks in any way, shape, or form. Like, they go down so fucking fast. Like, not putting up any kind of fight or anything. It's like, <laughs> you know, they just barely get They just barely get tagged. And they're like, oh. <laughs> just go down. And they're like, okay, I, t- I tag you with some ash. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They they go out very easily. So uh, the gang then head into the desert the next day to get their heads straight. That night, the gang set up camp in the desert to unwind, and that's when Helen does the whitest of white people dancing before seeing the statue of her in the fire. She screams and runs <laughs> off while Adam chases after her. A scarf that tells the gang it's super easy to be a monk, man. Just have a bunch of uh, oobla dooblas and then chase after a pretty broad around an altar. Surely they get the mouse begins chasing after her while she jokingly shouts, Don't rape me, Satan! Don't rape me! I'm coming into it, but don't rape me, Satan! He's like, Ha ha, I'm gonna get you, bitch! Like, you know, and runs after her while the gang dances around the fire chanting Uba Duba. Then we cut to Adam and Helen that are laying together, getting ready for some of that hot action. But Helen then lightly bites onto one of Adam's nipples before biting his neck because she's a satanic vampire? Something um, like okay. that. So, yeah. Right. So she bites. And we see the nipples. bite wound on Adam's So, wait a second. Is this a werewolf movie? Yes. Yes, it is. Meanwhile, the gang is running around the fire having Ubaduba fun, but a smoke bomb goes off, and they all enter in some kind of trance. Wild, man. Heavy shit. So, Mouse, meanwhile, is still chasing after Shirley as we see two werewolf shadows in the distance. And as Shirley appears, she gets her throat slashed open, suffering some eye damage as well. Mouse also gets killed as the werewolves feed on their bodies. It's one of those weird instances where you see it happen, and you're like, that's kind of cool for a 1971 movie. They're slashing open a woman's throat, and then you see Mouse die, and it's like, she had eye damage, too. I could see her eye fucking poking out of her head. I'm like, okay. We didn't have to see that, but it happens. (laughs) Yeah, it's there. (laughs) It's like, we're going to place this on top of your eye. Don't move your eye. (laughs) So the next day, Scar finds the bodies of Mouse and Shirley and immediately throws up. Adam gives a brief eulogy on Mouse. He didn't have a con bone in his body or a clean thought in his mind. He was one of us. We're going to miss you, baby. What about Shirley, man? (laughs) Man, she was a great freak, man. You said it, brother. (laughs) So, obviously, she was just a cum dumpster for the gang. They didn't have anything to say about Shirley, other than we've all had her, so we all know. (laughs) Taro then says what happened wasn't an accident. It was heavy. Somebody is controlling the vibes, man. But Adam insists that Mouse and Shirley got fucked up and tripped and fell into the wash, and Kelly always got to them. So then the gang decided to go off in search of gas. It's 71, gas shortages, man. You're going to get into that. So that's when they arrive at a station owned by the grouchy Mr. Burt, heavy on the mister. He makes Adam pump the gas since he doesn't like city folk. Adam gets the pump working, pump, 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 maybe pump, pump, pump. And he's like, you're going to pay me for this gas, city folk? You're going to pay me? You're going to leave me high and dry? They're like, no, we're not going to pay you. We're going to fucking leave. And he's like, oh, God damn it. So they're like, hey, by the way, God, do you know where the highway stuff. is, man? He's like, and the way you're getting to the highway is a parachute. Like, oh, man, get heavy, man. <laughs> yeah, nothing good down that road. Nothing good. It felt like the scene was they just turned on the camera and they just put it on this guy who had no idea he was in a movie. And he was like, Goddamn bikers! 
Get the fuck out of my gas station. So completely fucking improvised. Like the guy had no I idea think, he was I, in a movie. And I, I did think that guy had some of the coolest gas pumps, man. They were fucking pretty rad. That you had to actually oh, yeah. like pump to get the gas up and through. You know what I mean? That was pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. I loved it. Yeah, 71, I, I love the aesthetic of that. You know, and plus, they were supposed to gas up all the, the bikes, but what about the fucking truck? <laughs> the truck just rolls on because it's got unlimited gas. <laughs> it's trying to run out of gas. They don't need to fuel it up. So the next stop for the gang is an area of desert full of junked-out cars. Helen thinks they should sleep in the cars, but Adam lets her know that they plan on burning the cars for heat. Adam later finds Taro meditating. You know, he's having a real trip, man. He's got to be on his own. And that's when Taro tells Adam he loves him, but he can't ride with him anymore. Something's wrong. He tells Adam they need to go out of here before it's too late, but Adam calls bullshit. Taro insists that Adam listen to him before it's too late, as Taro has a vision of him being offered a piece of bread dipped in blood, as a seemingly lightly burned Helen looks on wearing the dress from earlier. Speaking of Helen, she's a little beers. Adam decides he's taking his to go, man. You know, time for fucking Taro's bullshit. He's got to go drink on his own, man. <laughs> He's on his own trip. So, as night falls, the gang sets fire to the wrecked cars. The gang crash for the night, but Helen and Adam can't sleep, so they'll take first watch. After a brief conversation and embrace between the couple, Adam then seeks out Taro, waking him up so he can take a second watch. Taro isn't happy with this, but hey, man, you brought this whole gang on this bummer, so you got to protect this gang from your evil. And he's like, fine, I will. And so he decides to go off on his I didn't want it, but okay. <laughs> and it really is all Taro's fault that this happens. Like, Taro was the one that brought them to the monastery and told them, you know, that it's going to be fun. But, no, it's a whole drag, man. It's a bummer. So, meanwhile, Movie is in the gang's van having all sorts of sex with two of the gang's girls. Once he's finished, he goes out to find Taro. Tara wants to know why he's awake, so he puts on his best fucking Clint Eastwood voice, and he's like, well, you know, every time I have sex, I ain't got time to sleep. Just up too much. So he does this weird <laughs> fucking, you know, Clint Eastwood impression. And then he but, says but that yeah, he's, also the, fa- he's also the favorite <laughs> of the cum dumpsters in the group because he's the biggest boy in there. So <laughs> That's right, big boys rule. That's right, goddamn, yeah. <laughs> I'd fucking be cleaning up in this gang. <laughs> Biggest boy in the group? Hell yeah, I'd be in the fucking van all the time. How old are you? Too young. Nope, can't do it. Because look at Manson gang, they're all fucking 16. Nope. <laughs> yeah. But it's 71, who cares? Ain't no age gaps. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Adam would have made a great fucking Manson if they ever did a movie about Manson back then. I was like, dude, you know, Stephen Oliver would have been a great fucking Manson because he just had that vibe, you know, the way he talked and stuff like that. But, you know, I, he never did. Yeah. Surprisingly yeah. enough. It was the look. It was the vibe. It was like, you know, like, I'll give him that. He had, like, a cool confidence about him that, like, at least made him somewhat believable as, like, the leader of the biker crew. Like, I could see why they would be following him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just had that charisma that you wanted to follow him. Um, so maybe Taro needs to get laid, according to the movie. He isn't so stressed out if he just get laid, but Taro hates shits, man. That's progressive. Having a gay biker in 71, he just wants to go die, <laughs> man. Give me a guy, and I'll be happy. I'm just looking for some dick to suck. 
And poor Carol can't get any. It's just like, oh, so many women around. Can I get a guy in here? Well, you know, so unfortunately he doesn't. But then movie, he wants Tara to tell him about what's going on. But then he tells him that he thinks that, you know, you know, Tara, you think better than Adam. You know, maybe you could be the better president. Like, you should be the next one. He's like, oh, man, whatever. Walks away from movie, unfortunately, because he doesn't want to tell him what's going on. He's like, you wouldn't be able to handle it. So I'm going to move off my own. So then movie then finds himself a big old log and then just starts dancing to entertain himself. But that fun is short-lived as he's killed by a werewolf, which is intercut with the death of Shirley for some reason. I was like, oh, oh, we're going back? Okay, we're going back to that scene? Okay, yep, there we go. Yep, first class again. <laughs> I remember how she died. It's like, yeah, earlier on Werewolves on, on Wheels. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. So then the werewolf throws Movie's body onto the fire, so he'll be nice and cooked for breakfast the next morning. Got to make sure you have some meat, you know? If Leatherface talks well, to yeah, anything, you know, you're in the desert. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the following day, Scarf meets with Pill, and Pill walks out of the scarf? room. He's drinking a beer oh, and scarf. 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 Oh, so, yeah, that's scarf. His name. I don't know why they named him Scarf. I don't know why his name Movie. I don't know why any of these fuck characters are named what they are. I just fucking went with it. Luckily, I had captions on because the captions were a big help. Yeah. Like Scarf says, I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I like, thank you for letting me know. Who. Actually, is is a big like bothering point here. You know, like Bunky, like you said earlier, you like like these motorcycle movies and stuff like that, right? And, like I get it, you're watching it for the bikes and, and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, too, like when I'm watching this and like I want to get to know like a a motorcycle gang, I want to get to know that gang, you know, or at least a few of mm-hmm. the members need to like stand out and become important characters. Not just Carrot and 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 Adam, you know. Like we needed more personalities here. We needed, like you said, we need to know why he's called fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like not just like, like give me something. At least I know. Like put it this way, I know. In Back to the Future, the one guy's name is 3D. You know why? Because he wears 3D glasses. At least it was like obvious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was so weird. Because, like, they actually what, went scarf the next day with Pill getting out of the van. He goes, hey, Pill. I was like, oh, there we go. They were getting a name. So I know who he is. And then, hey, Pill, what about that beard? He's like, I don't got any beard. He's like, but you're holding one. He's like, that's the last one. He's like, well, don't be, you know, cupping that beard. He's like, give me some. He's like, oh, that's it. Only that's it. Like, I know you're holding. But. So Adam decides <laughs> to shout out for a movie to figure out where he is. They don't know where he is. They keep shouting his name. And then they eventually find his burned-out body in the fire. And they're like, well, what we should do? We should bury him? They can't bury boots, baby. <laughs> Adam's so fucking cool. <laughs> you know? I was like, the entire time, I just, I just loved Adam the entire time. I was like, you can't bury boots, baby. He's got to keep moving. So Adam is the one that says they've got to go find these monks so they can get their heads straight. And this is the one point of the movie where I'm like, it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of very confusing because the gang rides off once more, and then they ride off into a dust storm, and then they fucking disappear, leaving the van behind. So they completely fucking vanish, and the two girls in the van are like, oh, huh, it's kind of weird, right? Like, they they should be ahead of us, right? But no, they're gone. There's no fucking explanation I, as to what has happened. I, I took I took this as the monks casting some kind of spell work shit on them 
because right. they knew that they were coming and they were casting, you know, some shit to, you know, teleport them into Warp the them. fucking desert. Because, you know, next thing you know, yeah, they're literally in the middle of the desert. They don't know where the fuck they are. They're pushing their bikes up and down dune hills. They can, you know, because the sand is so thick there, they can't even ride their own bike <laughs> through this shit. Because, again, these are Harleys, not Kawasaki's or well, Yamaha's. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, I thought in this particular scene that they were in hell. Like I thought they got transported to hell, and that's why there was nothing there except fucking dunes in the desert. Like you have Adam walking around, and he's like, "There's just nothing there except fucking dunes. There's no road. There's no telephone poles. There's just nothing to find." And then you have the devil's advocates finding like another branch of their gang, and they're like, "Hey, man! Like I haven't seen you forever." Yeah, I thought that those were dead people. I thought those were dead gang members that they were finding. And they're like, oh, man, like, you know, because Adam said he's like a lot of friends of mine have died. And I thought they were finding those dead gang members. And they're like, oh, my God, you're here. Like, and they were hugging them. And like, I was like, but no, it just seemed like they were just regular members of the gang. <laughs> yeah. So happened to reunite with them. Back up again. Yeah. Well, I think they all got, like, probably, like, scattered to, to various areas. I, I think the monkey's right on with, you know, I think the, the druids or something, like, cast something, and this was their way of preventing the, the gang from getting there and kicking their ass. Because it was a cool scene. Like I said, I just wanted it to be more supernatural. Like, I was hoping it would be a little more ethereal, like, with where they are. Like, they don't know where they are. They're in the middle of the desert. They're finding these people. So I was kind of hoping it would lead to them, like, finding dead members of their gang. And it's like, oh, you're here now. Like, but they're just kind of there. And Adam was like, all right, well, we need to go find monks now. Like, we need to find them. We need to beat the fuck out of them. We need to get our heads straight. And, of course, Tara was like, well, you can't solve everything with violence. And he's like, oh, yeah? Take this. And he punches Tara. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just punches him so fucking fast. <laughs> Judo chop. Because Tara's a- <laughs> Because Tarot's the one telling them, you can't do this. Like, you can't take on the monks. Like, you can't just beat them up. Like, you know, we can't take our bikes. He's like, the bikes won't even work. And he's like, yeah, they will. So, of course, Adam punches out Tarot, leaving him in the dust because he's assumingly taking him out, being like, you can't be a part of the gang anymore. You're not a member of the Devil's Advocates anymore. I'm tired of you. So it's kind of him kind of excommunicating this guy from the gang. So they all take off, but once they decide to stop again, Tarot's like, ha-ha, I'm here. <laughs> out of fucking nowhere, <laughs> he just pops up and starts a fight with Adam. And they have this just drawn-out fight where they're beating up on each other, and the gang's like, yeah, yeah, Adam, yeah, yeah, Tarot. Like, they're just, they have no idea who they want to side with. They're just hoping that the, the fight kind of ends at some point. And, of course, Adam is the one that gets the upper hand, and he knocks Tarot to the ground. He's like, take that, motherfucker. We've got to find these monks, man. <laughs> I ain't, I'm tired of your heavy shit, man, you spooky-ass motherfucker. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, after Taro gets his ass, everyone's just kind of standing over him going, you, you done? <laughs> you cool, man? You cool? <laughs> so, um, after that, we... See, there's a certain point after Tyrell gets up from the fight, he's still kind of knocked down. He's kind of waking himself up. Um, but that night, the gang will sit around a fire, and we suddenly see black lions all over the gang's faces. Wow, dig that, man. 
fucking supernatural shit going on right now. And they're all just <laughs> staring down at Adam, who's staring down at the fire alongside Helen. <clears throat> Adam suddenly sees a statue of himself melting in the fire. He screams as the gang gets up and begins circling the fire with sticks. During this, Adam turns into a werewolf, as done Helen. Adam then chases down and attacks Scarf, killing him, as Helen tries to attack the rest of the gang. They eventually make torches out of their sticks and set Helen on fire, killing her. Adam freaks out real bad oh, and races to a man. Her, <laughs> the, the Helen, like, she-wolf look was just fucking horrible. <laughs> Adam's was passable because Adam's was passable yeah. because it was, you know, very reminiscent of Universal and the classic okay. Wolfman yeah. look. But yeah, yeah but absolutely. hers was just fucking horrid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely got Wolfman vibes. Once Adam like stepped up and he was in full werewolf form, like oh, very nice. He's practical. Well, hers was like launching. Hers was it's the Wolfman when you get it from Wish. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, once he turns into the werewolf and he chases down Scarf, he's like, Adam, man, Adam, stop it, man, Adam, stop it. And he's like, This is like a werewolf, man. I wouldn't be stopping running. I would be fucking running my fucking ass off to get away from him as best I fucking possibly could. Because then when we come back to the gang, they're yeah. all trying to take down Helen. Helen's fucking tearing apart Pill. You know, she drags him to the ground. She fucking rips out his fucking throat. And they're like, wow, man, heavy. I'm like, what the fuck happened to them being zombies? Like, it's never explained why this gang, they become like zombies. Like, they... With the black lines on their well, face, I'm like, are they supposed to be? Well, because like, early, yeah, earlier, I don't know. Earlier during the druid sequence, the druids when they when they go to beat up the druids, the druids all reach they out their and touch one of yeah. their faces. So these are the guys that are getting the black that we're seeing these black lines. I believe it's the druids channeling mm-hmm. themselves back through them. You know, as we're gonna find out at the end, they oh, are them okay. type of deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it but was like, weird, you know, when that man. was happening, yeah, it, was it was. It was fucking totally like, you know, like trippy, like, hey, we took acid one night. We think this is a good idea type <laughs> deal. But like when they got marked <laughs> earlier in the in the film, you know, I assumed, because again, the name of this movie is, where, is, is what Wolves is it? On Werewolves on Wheels? Okay, so like yeah. I was yep. expecting like a biker gang <laughs> of werewolves or at least like a portion yes. of this gang, not just one person. Or two, you know, right. when yes. you count the chick. Totally. Yes, that's what I was expecting yeah. was, that's what I was hoping when I saw the trailer was oh, exactly what you're gang. saying here, Ghoul, yeah. is, yes, a gang of werewolves going through, you know, the fucking countryside and just ravaging, you know, through, ev- you know, everything, you know, as these fucking, you know, you know, when the full moon comes out, you know, then they all become a different right. gang than they are during the day, you know. And then, so you know, cool. then we have so all this cool. stuff about them trying to be kind of witty, too, when they're sitting there doing the, you know, the pitchforks and the torches and shit, you know, and, you know, taking it the, and they're making it out of the American flag and then setting the American flags on fire. You know, it's like, right. ooh, you yeah. know, here we are, you know, saying, you know, anti-Vietnam shit, too, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you're completely right. And this was, like said, 71, so this was just after the Manson murders in 69. So it's kind of like the cult influence and riding around on motorcycles, Manson rode around on dune buggies in the desert. So it's like, you get that vibe. You know, they're still kind of doing that. Um, 
And I do like the effect of Adam jumping on the motorcycle and riding away in fucking werewolf fucking makeup. It's just the fact that they didn't have money for lighting. So you don't really get a good oh my look God. at him riding on a motorcycle. It's oh, all fucking junk. Yeah, we, we finally get the fucking reveal of, you know, what's on the fucking cover, and then we can't even fucking see it <laughs> yeah. because they didn't have any fucking lighting. Yeah. Oh, holy it's, shit. It's all in the dark. And you have, you know, oh, the devil's advocates jumping on their motorcycles with torches, and they're chasing after Adam on the motorcycle. Of course, Taro, with his torch, rides alongside Adam's motorcycle and manages to touch him with the torch, lighting him on fire, which causes Adam to crash out and catch on fire. But at the same time, this was Taro's fault. Like, this was all Taro's fucking fault. So he could be like, man, we've got to get out of here. This is bad, man. Vibes are off, man. It's like, this is your fault. Like, you caused all this to happen, so you killing Adam in the process is like, you're to blame, man. <laughs> there is no Yeah, bro, you, you brought them there like, to begin with, dude. <laughs> you the one that wanted us to strip out the monastery. This is your fault. So um, through the flames after Adam is dead, we once again see one, and we see the gang returning to the monastery. Each of the gang is still in that kind of weird zombie kind of uh, being of having black lines on their faces. They all raise up a weapon to take down the monks in one, but with just the glare, the monks take out the entire gang. We then see Taro on his knees, ready to accept the blood drip blood, uh, bread rather, as a slightly burned Bride of Satan Helen appears behind one, just as the vision that he had earlier showed. The satanic prophecy has been fulfilled as we cut to the credits of the gang running on their bikes down the road during the day. The end. And there were no title cards to say Werewolf on Wheels at the beginning. It just kind of started, and there wasn't anything at the end either. So it's one of those movies where it's like, there's no title card. It's just Werewolf on Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I love the fact so, that it has a bad ending. It's a trip ending, man. Like, it's just, it's, you know, they're dead. Well, it, 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 it is a trip ending, except here's the thing. They don't, it's not that the Druids defeat the bikers. They were them the mm. entire time. The faces that you see in those Druid masks are the same bikers that were looking at them at that point. That biker went to attack so you said that, that Druid. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and like that—that's that, that, what that. they were yeah. kind of going with. That's what tripped me out, man. When you said that, I thought about that scene again in my head. I'm like, wait a second, yup, they looked exactly like the biker. I'm like, fuck, dude. I didn't even get it until you brought it up. I'm like, you're right. Every time the druid looked at the biker, it was that biker that they took down. Every time they tried to raise their weapon to kill the monks, you know, the druids. Like it, it's they fucking heavy, man. Feeding themselves. <laughs> Man. Yeah. You know, it's it, it I I love endings that are bad. I love fucking feel bad endings. Where it's like there's no fucking heroism, nobody's escaping. Um I th- we talked about it on the show, but Race with the Devil, I think, had the best fucking downer ending. Oh, where it's like you think yeah, that Warren Oates and Peter <laughs> escaped with the girls. They're in the R V and they're like, We made it, man, we made it and all of a sudden a fire erupts around the R V and all of a sudden the Satanists show up and it's like, ah oh, fuck. And it just pauses on that <laughs> ending. It's like that fucking rules. Because it in the seventies it was all about Satan, man. <laughs> Satan was having a great time in the seventies, especially during the cinema. Especially with exploitation movies. Like it's done very poorly here in <laughs> Werewolves on Wheels. 
especially with one. But it's, yeah, Satan's having a great time in the 70s, <laughs> you know, with being in cinema. Like, everybody was all about that. Because Anton LaVey created the Church of Satan in 69. And it was considered, like, cool. It was considered, like, hip to have the Satanic Bible in your house. Like, you were considered fucking yeah. cool. Like, man, <laughs> this guy's progressive, man. He's got the Satanic Bible in his house? Man, he, he's on another trip. Like, you know. You know, nowadays it's like, yeah, but a bunch of goths have that. <laughs> Everybody has a system. <laughs> if you're a goth or just, you know, somebody else. But back in the 70s, it was considered different. Like, you were considered hip. You know, like Anton LaVey working on Rosemary's Baby and Devil's Reign. You know, like, they, it was it was a hip time for Lucifer. So that's why I love these, these 70s exploitation movies. And, it was counterculture, yeah, man. That's all it was. It was pe- People were looking for yeah, more. Yeah. They were looking for different. You know, the the whole the whole Christianity vibe was kind of kind of going down wrong directions in a lot of people's minds. You know, like they they were trying to see what else was out there and, and, and what could they find. And what better way to go against your parents, yeah, man, than to go against what they believed, which was Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a I whole other trip, man. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hail Satan, man. Hey. You know, it's true. It was a whole other trip, man. People were just getting involved in the Church of Satan. They were just enjoying their time, man. You know, you know, Charlie Manson was out there preaching his word. You know, it was a whole other thing, man. That's why I love these movies from that era because you just know that there's like Charlie Manson just on the fringes of these movies. So like, yeah, he was a whole other vibe, man. You got people to kill people. Hey. <laughs> Especially you see the movie Snuff. <laughs> like, no, hey, we've watched the movie Snuff. <laughs> that movie was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Covered it's not on a good this one, show but, at one yeah. point. <laughs> but that's why I said I, I love these movies from the 70s because it was all about Satanic Panic. Before Satanic Panic was even a thing, <laughs> they were they were way ahead of their time. Um, so with that being said, okay, so we covered Werewolves on Wheels tonight. Next week, the pick is yours, Ghoul. What are we talking about? Well, listen, Monkey, I had actually sent you a message on uh, on Messenger, but I guess you, you didn't see it during the time yeah. frame. Um, I said on Messenger. If, if, if you could, Monkey, go take a look at it right now and just give me a quick answer if if possible. Uh, King, if you got something, got some time. you know, like five Five seconds I, with you. I have, do that. I, I have access. I have access to all of these. What do you want to do? One, okay. two, or three. So you do. All right. So then, then, then King, <laughs> like, like we, we discussed, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take you down an animated path. Um, we're going <laughs> to show you that sometimes, you know what, just because it's animated doesn't mean that it's going to be childish and whimsical. Um, we're going to go Disagree. down a little, a little film based on a book called Watership Down. Okay. So, so it's, it's got some, <laughs> some very interesting visuals that are going to, to, to happen. And it's, it's a fucked up oh, movie. Yeah. I, I think you're going to like it personally. So animated or not. Yeah. Is that the one? Right. Uh, Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. I've heard of it. Never saw it, but I've heard of it. Okay. Well, well you are going to, to see it. Okay. 
Yeah, hmm. and the and the and one specifically sorry. he's talking <laughs> and the one he is specifically talking about is the movie from 1978. That is the one he is talking about. Yes. No, absolutely. Oh, cool. If there are other versions. That, that is not the version. Yeah, I want the 78 version. Okay. So, Watership Down from 1978. All right. So, Monkey, you'll have to help me find this one. So, great. Don't, don't worry. It's available you'll be able on to find it. It is on oh Max. my god, it actually is. I just checked it out. It's available on Max, so I don't have help. I, I can watch this on Max. I got you. I got you, fam. Watership <laughs> Down. It's about a yep. young rabbit named Fiverr. Die! Okay. Well, <laughs> this is going to be painful. Okay. <laughs> I'm already yeah. looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, but, that. oh, that, that's right. Yeah, because because we do want the 1978 movie and definitely not the television show that was from just a couple of years ago. <laughs> no. Mm, no. So it's not Diver Down, the Van Halen album, which I would much rather go to these. No, no, it is definitely not. Uh, <laughs> such a good album, though. Can I just listen to that and just say watch Watership Down? Like, oh, guys, I forgot. <laughs> I, I listened to Diver no. Down. <laughs> there will be a test. <laughs> All right, so that is Indeed. the ghoul's pick next week, Watership Down, because he doesn't like me very much. So we'll be talking about that I next love week. you. Uh, I love you, kid. <laughs> you know what? Maybe the dean could save me. He could be like, I don't like this either. So maybe we could fucking tag team next week. He's an English teacher. He, needs, he ought to be loving this movie. <laughs> I so almost went last unicorn. Okay, I almost went last unicorn. If we did not do Legend this year, then I would have done You're gonna go the last unicorn. Last unicorn? But, <laughs> uh, I, the Red Bull! Well, the all right, Red well, Bull! Dude, there was they some fucking, fucking Yo, terrible. I remember some heavy duty imagery in that fucking movie as a kid that like I remember it spooking and scaring the fuck out of me back in the day. That is not what we're doing. The last unicorn? Oh yeah. yeah well, we could always unicorn. do it again. I mean if I survive next week's episode, I mean who knows what the possibilities are. <laughs> we'll see. You know, if I just you know sit there watching uh, the movie with a gun in my head going, oh, this could be the last episode for the gig. <laughs> but we'll see you next week. We'll <laughs> talk about uh, the last, uh, the last King of Corn. <laughs> <laughs> the last King of Corn. So, again, Monkey, thank you so much for picking Werewolves on Wheels. I had a great time, man. It was heavy. Good trip. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you to all the fans for listening at home. Remember, help control the bad werewolf movie population. Have your werewolves spayed or neutered. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <Mwah>. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Watch out for the werewolves of, uh, of, of the motorcycle variety and, uh, and have yourselves a good night. Stay scared, everybody. And as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. We'll see you back here next week for Watership Down. Everybody keep in your thoughts as we talk about that <laughs> next week. But as always, hail Satan, hail Odinus, hail yourselves, keep <laughs> your strong, watch horror movies. 
pray for me. It's going to be a big one, guys. We'll see you back here next week. Biggest fucking one you've ever